and let's get ready to have communion. We want to start the year off pleading the power of the blood of Jesus over 2011, over your lives, over your family. In remembrance of the King of Kings, your covering, your security. We come together today to cover the doorpost of your businesses your jobs, your homes with the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, which was slain for redemption of His people, that we may be a children called by God, by the name of God, God's own children, through the sacrifice of Christ. We come together in remembrance that we have a higher covenant, a pact with heaven here on earth, covered by the blood in the name of Jesus Christ. We come today and we praise you that, Lord, on that night that you were betrayed, that you allowed yourself to become that lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, that you took the bread and you broke it. You said, this is my body, sinless, perfect. But I allow it to be injected with the punishment of your sins. I allow my body to be injected with the curse, with the sentence of death and hell, allow my body to become the sacrifice and that my give my body to death that you may live. 
my body which is broken that your brokenness may be revived in remembrance of you we take the bread we take of it says then he took the cup this, he says, this is my blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of God, which is shed to cover all sins, to erase stains, to cause you, my bride, to be spotless, gorgeous, perfect, and beautiful in my sight. There's power in the blood, and the blood of Christ still speaks. That we're justified. We're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're cleansed, we are raised in life. This blood is our standard. This blood is our guard. This blood is our covering. It's our protection. We praise you, Father, for the blood right now as we, Lord, do this in remembrance of you. We plead the blood over every life, every child, every marriage, every home. We go into this year of 2011. Speaking out, let the redeemed of the Lord say so that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. For this, this year, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the blood, church. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's praise Him. Let's praise the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, praise God. We're glad you're here today. We got a special word for you. We want to get into the word to give you everything that God has for us. So, Brother Greg, let's roll this first video, please. Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. boy, Clarence. Somebody shout out, Happy New Year. Glory to God. Happy New Year, everyone. It's a meaning, wonderful, meaningful life. If you've never seen that before, it's a wonderful life with James Stewart. It's a movie you need to own. I know it comes on about once a year, but it's something needs to, you need to remind yourself over and over again, especially when you start feeling like your life is not meaningless, like you're nobody important, like what can I do to make a difference? This movie shows you it's someone who really doesn't have a whole lot yet can do so much by just being compassionate and willing to yield and give and to stay in there. And when he thought he wanted his life to be over, he got a visitation from an angel to show him what life would have been like if he'd have never been born. The lives that would not have been rescued, the lives that would not have been saved, the lives that would have been died. And the thing about it is, is that you never know, you and I never know how many lives we touch even in a day. You don't know what's your smile. You don't know what maybe a friendly word or gesture. You don't know what you, your gift or, or what you might have done for somebody. Even something that you said at work. How many times have you been told you don't even pay attention? Somebody's told you, you know, I've been thinking about what you told me. And you go, what did I tell you? And they tell you and you think, I don't even remember that. But they did because it was a word that you maybe not, were not even conscious you said. You may not have even known what you were saying. But it changed a life or it rescued someone. And I want to share with you that I believe that your life is going to be meaningful this year. It will be as it has been, but it's going to be even more meaningful. But I want to give you some revelation and some teaching today. 
I want to start off here in the book of Isaiah 47 as, as, as a precaution and a warning as we start this new year off. It says here, all the advice you receive has made you tired. I want to talk to you for just a few moments that you do not start this year as you may have in the past. I just want to talk just a few moments. This is not the main part of the message, but I want to warn you about the curse of horoscopes, tarot cards, palm readings. And I want to share this out of the heart of a jealous God that when you turn to other things to receive your advice, it will tire you because only the word of God renews you in strength. Now, you may think there's nothing wrong with astrology and tarot cards, and you may think, well, it was a star that led the, the uh, wise men to Jesus. Yeah, but God says over and over his word. That's where they were, but that's not where you should be. And it says over and over in the word of God, why look to the stars when you can look to the one who made the stars? God is a jealous God. And one of the things I want to share with you, I'll give you, I'll challenge you about something. The next time you go to New Orleans and you want to walk in front of that big church, how many have ever been there when there's all kind of tarot card readers, palm readers, and soothsayers in front of the church with their little booths? Well, I did a test one day in New Orleans. I t when I saw them all lined up and they had their heads down and they were looking at their stuff, I said, I'm going to find out which ones are true and which ones aren't. And so I was just praying and pleading the blood and exalting the name of Jesus. And as I passed them by, the ones that would look up with me, and I've seen that look on the mission field, those ones that would look up with me and just follow me with their eyes, like their eyes look like a snake's. And, and when they would look up and follow you with their eyes, I knew that was a real one. And I'll plead the blood of Jesus. I claim you into the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. The gypsies in Argentina would stop me and say, can I read your palm? Oh, you're a very lucky man. I said, you know I'm a lucky man? Oh, why? I said, because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And boy, they would let go of my palms and they start walking away. And I go, oh, no, no, let me tell you. Let me read your palm now. Let me tell you about your future if you don't repent and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what you see, it says... All the advice you receive has made you tired. You need to get the counsel and the wisdom from God because you're weary because you're hearing the wrong voice. My sheep know my voice. They don't need an astrologer. Most of those people are fakes anyway, but they are those that are real, and there's a transference if you don't watch it. Now, I gave a few people in here, a few of you today have fortune cookies. We don't have time to do what I was going to do, but uh, some of you were handed fortune cookies, and I was going to have you open it and read it. Because there's some people, I listen to them, and I know I'm shooting myself in the foot that you will never take me out with you to a Chinese restaurant again. But I listen to the people when they open their fortune cookie, and they read that scripture from a fat, bald man with more emphasis than when I hear him read the Word of God. Hello! They read their fortune. You will be very fortunate this year. And boy, they're all excited. But then when they read the, God, the word, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. There's a big difference. And God says, all the advice you receive has made you tired. Where are your astrologers, those stargazers, who make predictions each month? Let them stand up and save you for what the future holds. But they are like the straw burning in the fire. They cannot save themselves from the flame. You will get no help from them at all. Jesus says, I'm the first. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the last. Don't start this year. Don't fall in a routine of trying to seek your future by means that have no power behind it. You will get tired getting on eHarmony to find the right mate. Only God can give you the right mate. You would get tired of all the searching through all the means of man. It's God who knows who you belong with and how you belong. We stargaze and, and we look for things that have no power. They have no strength. And you have the one, the maker, the creator of all things. He's given us his eternal word. Now, don't receive this. I'm not attacking you or rebuking you if you have you get the paper every day and you go well what does my horoscope tell me today you need to get in the word who has a god who backs it up and put your faith in the man who made the stars and hold them and call them by name 
So this is something I wanted to share with you. And I want to go into this next part. We're going to skip this part. Look what it says here. Then he takes what's left and makes it. Talking about men carving gods out of wood. A carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Listen to what God says. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed that they cannot see. Their minds are shut that they cannot think. The person who has made the idol never stops to reflect. Never stops and reflect. Why, this is just a block of wood or this is just a piece of paper written by somebody I don't even know who doesn't even care about me. I burn half of it for the heat and use it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I am holding in my hand a lie? Is this horoscope unbelieving? I have read the, the Chinese calendar. And I'm a dog and she's a rabbit. And so we will make the perfect mate. She's a snake and I'm a dragon. Thank God a dragon can beat a snake. But it tells and, and people go into all this stuff and a Scorpio and a turtle or whatever the thing is, the zodiac sign. And they go into all these things. And the Lord of God is saying, reflect on your ways. How has it helped you? Will it heal you when the doctor says you have a diagnosis or does the anointing with all in the prayer of faith heal the sick? What we trust in. So these are some things I want us to reflect on and think about for this new year because there's one word that never fails. And that's Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thank you, Jesus. Says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To what? Give you a future and a hope. What I need is a teachable spirit. Hey, wait a minute. I passed up the scripture, but it says, wait a minute. You're the clay. I'm the clay. You're the potter. Can the clay argue to the potter what he is making? Can the clay argue with God that, no, this is not the way I want it to be. This is not the way I want to turn out. He says, are you going to argue with the one who is the potter in control? Or are you going to be teachable and let my thoughts guide and lead you? Or are you going to let my face be the face you see this coming new year? Young people, be careful about these horoscopes for teens. Be careful about the advice that gives you and try to help you find your identity. Find your identity in God. That is the only way you're going to be able to go without getting tired. You're going to be able to run this race without giving up. Don't go to horoscopes to enhance your marriage or to find out why he's the wrong one and why you should get another one. You get tired with Oprah's doctrine. You get tired with Dr. Phil. And you go to hell with Jerry Springer. I love my kids showed me this uh, uh, comedian on YouTube. And he was telling this story about he was standing around. This guy sneezed on him. And he turned around and said, God bless you. And, and the guy says, uh, don't tell me that. I'm an atheist. So they started going back and forth. And this comedian, I can't say he's a Christian, but he was raised... Catholic and he says well I believe in God and the guy started saying well you know what I don't believe in God so the comedian said well what would happen to you if you die he says well I would come back as a tree and he says oh so let's say you come back as a tree and here comes this big old husky guy with a saw or a hat axe and he comes down and he chops you down and you fall down and he grabs you drags you off chips you up makes paper out of you and then all of a sudden when they made paper out of you they print the bible on you <laughs> uh, isn't that good or isn't that good? Well, that's what this scripture is saying. What you're believing and what you're carving in for your life ain't gonna, is not going to do anything for you. Don't base yourself. Today, you open up your fortune cookie. Today will be your lucky day. And so you go around saying, I'm, today's going to be one of my best days. How do you know? Because Buddha taught me. Don't trust a man with a belly that big. <laughs> He'll explode on you. Trust the Savior who took the nails yes. and gave his life and inspired his word. Now, as we get ready to start this year, I read this word to give you a future and a hope. The first thing I thought about was this word future. It 
what jumped in my heart that I want to share with you for a few minutes, it made me remember that's one of the words mostly used in, in graduation messages and ceremonies, farewell speeches. And that had me start going in the direction I want to go into because many of us here can say an amen. How many of you graduated? Didn't, didn't cross over, but you graduated from 2010 to 2011. How many crossed over? How many have had tears this last year? How many have almost sweat blood this last year? I know a lot of you. I've heard from you. I know ourselves. Everything we've been through, 2010, it was one of the most difficult years of our life. If you made it through this year, and thank God I, I did a lot of weddings, but I didn't do a funeral this last year. I praise God for that. But how many of you felt like you almost died? How many felt like you could have died? We're in 2011 and we need to be thankful because there was a possibility we weren't getting out of it. We sweated and we worked hard to get out of this year. And so I started thinking about, I'll give you a future and a hope. And we've graduated from 2011 and we made it through, thank God. And so I started looking up some, some ideas. And you young people that's graduating this year, you ought to take some of these notes. I looked up some ideas of what to do for graduation messages, graduation speeches. It says you're supposed to leave... An important message to celebrate an achievement. How many are thankful you achieved getting out of 2010 into 2011? So for graduation, you need to recognize that some activity and some steps to continue going forward into your future. And so I looked up categories that they give you to make graduation speeches. And I want you to listen to this and take this. You may want to write these down personal. If you, if you, if you like it so much, I'll put it in the bulletin. But listen to what they... they, they um, uh, they want to comfort you and they want to encourage you to write for a graduation speech. Listen to this. Here's some categories. Number one, the importance of goal setting. Well, that's a good message. The importance of goal setting. Listen to this one. Taking responsibility for yourself and your actions. Well, that sounds pretty good. Taking responsibility for yourself and your actions. Learning from your mistakes. Overcoming obstacles. Personal codes of conduct, the power to endure, the inspiration received from people or influences, the need to keep on improving, never to forget your roots and the people who helped you there. All of these things are messages. And the other day we were watching this program. You might have seen it. It's a program about all these basketball players and football players. And you take a tour of their house. I think it's called Cribs. Have you ever seen Cribs? Yeah. And it's amazing. When you go and they t they're taking these tours and you've seen these $14 million houses. And their cars and everything. And sometimes they got to put their fur coat on to just show you around. And they're sweating and they take it off. They're going around just bragging about there's not another car like this and there's not a lot, another one like this and look at my refrigerator and look at the food and there's my cook and there's my woman and there's our bed and I mean they just go on and they're just bragging about you know that this leather is made out of and they're just bragging and bragging and bragging but they had one basketball player that from the beginning I liked him and when he got to his trophy room right in the middle was a picture of the little two bedroom shack he was raised in it was a nice picture and he says this, I look at this picture every day to remind me who I grew up with, how I grew up, and where I came from. And you can tell he had a different attitude about everything he had because he remembered his roots. I want to always remember my roots in the mud huts of Central and South America. I remember my roots as a pastor's son living in poverty and all the things that I've seen my mom and dad go through. I want to remember my roots about knowing when they used the word of God and I got healed and had a miracle in my life. We always want to remember our roots, and that's what they're speaking about here. Then they go on to say the amazing opportunities that the future holds. One of the important things they, they recommend when you're making the graduation speech, leave out everything that annoyed you because the people will remember you for being negative instead of being positive. So whatever annoyed you in 2010, you need to not write that down. I want to encourage you to write a, a, a vision for 2011, personal vision. I want to encourage you to write a creed. I want to encourage you to write a graduation. You may say, I don't have time for all this. It will help you this year. If you write down a personal creed, and I'll show you some things here in a minute. If you write down a personal creed and a personal vision, 
of what you want to accomplish in 2011. And you write these type of things down and you meditate on it. I mean, all you have to do is Google graduation speeches. And you'll find autistic kids who nobody else believed in giving a graduation speech of making it and overcoming and being something in their life. Others who might have lost a limb or fought cancer or other things. They endured and they kept on. And, and these type of speeches is what encourages people to go through. They talk about the success that you feel at the top of the mountain, but believing that there's a higher mountain coming. I wrote down what Newton Baker said. He said, the person who graduates and then stops learning is uneducated the day after graduation. We don't ever quit learning. Whether we're a minister or whether we're a worker or a mom or a dad, husband and a wife, we never quit learning. So the person who quits learning after graduation stops growing the next day. Now I want to share with you, the Apostle Paul gave a farewell speech and I want to give you a point out of this. It says, he called for the elders of the church. This is in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. He called for the elders of the church and when they had come to him, he said to them, look at this. You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived my life among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Number one, I want you to write this down. What's my record? What has been my record for 2010? How did I live? What type of person was I in 2010? And what type of person do I want to be? And what type of testimony do do I want my life to proclaim in 2011? Write these things down. Prepare yourself for this year. I believe that this is going to be a great year. But I believe that it's going to be a year built on character. I believe character and maturity is going to have a rise in America. But it has to start in the church. And I believe that sometimes we've got to examine ourselves to see what type of person have I been asked the Holy Spirit to show us. A perfect example of living a life is not only Paul, but the prophet Samuel. They wanted a king, so he put a king. And listen to what Samuel says here in 1 Samuel 12, 2 through 5. He says, now here is the king walking before you. It was Saul. And I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed or from whose hand have I received any bribe which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And then he said, you have not, they have, they said, you have not cheated or oppressed us. Nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you and his anointing and witness this day. You have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is our witness. Wow. Some of you were with family this Christmas. And, and how many of you were with family and somebody's talking? Say the husband, the, the husband's talking. And the wife is standing behind going, rolling her eyes and going, have you seen any family members like that? You know, I made $120,000 this year. And the wife is rolling her eyes. I killed 14 bucks this season. How about you? And the wife is rolling her eyes and doing like that. Or the wife is saying this and that and the other. The husband's rolling his eyes. How many of you have seen that? Well, not that I saw that. But I've seen that, and it made me think about something. I would hate to know that I'm making the Holy Spirit roll his eyes. Hello? I would hate to think that I'm speaking. I haven't robbed, I haven't cheated, I haven't lied. And the Holy Spirit, God, divinity, rolls his eyes. But also what I want to share with you, we sang about today. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, be careful because the angels are watching. And I want to read the scripture to you because the angels can roll their eyes too. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 through 5, New Living Translation. And this is the scripture for the year. Listen to this scripture. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Now, listen to what Paul says. As for me... It matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. Whoa. 
Write that down and put that in your heart. Paul is saying, it doesn't matter much how I'm evaluated by you or any other authority. But listen to this. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. This is a scripture for the life, for this year, for life. I'm not worried about how I'm evaluated by others. I can't even trust my own evaluation of myself. Paul's saying this. My conscience is clear. Okay, listen to this. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. Boy, this is good. Pastor, my conscience doesn't bother me. Paul says, mine doesn't bother me either, but it doesn't mean that I'm right. Oh, this is deep, church. I don't have any regrets. Paul says that doesn't mean I'm right. The apostle Paul. Scars on his body. What does he say? I don't even trust my own evaluation of myself. I don't trust my own heart. Look at this. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove me right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring out our darkest secrets to light. And he will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Boy, that doesn't put the fear of God in you. I don't know what will. I'll take the secrets out of the closet. I'll reveal. Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote, What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. What do you think is the future? What do you think? What are we going to do about the past? What do you think about the future? Well, how are you in your heart? What lies within you is more important than what lies ahead of you because what lies ahead of you depends on what lies within you. God rewards each man or woman according to their heart. Well, this is deep church. Just before Christmas, listen to this. Well, let me give you another scripture here. Look at this. God and Jesus and angels all back me up in these instructions. Look at this. He's saying, look... God and Jesus and the angels are listening and watching. You know, you know what happened to Zacharias? Zacharias, the angel Gabriel came to him and said, you're going to have a child. And, and Zacharias says, you know what? My wife and I, we're too old to have children. And Gabriel says, you know what? Because you doubted, I'm going to take your voice away from you. Gabriel says, because you did not believe my, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, verse 20, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which were fulfilled and will be fulfilled in their own time. In other words, you didn't believe me, I'm taking your voice for nine months. The angels are listening. I hope they're not rolling their eyes. I hope they can say, God and Jesus and the angels are backing me up. I know they're with me, so who can be against me? Listen to this. Just before Christmas, God was looking down on earth and saw all the evil that was going on. He decided to send an angel down to earth and check it out. So he called one of his best angels and sent the angel to earth for a time. When he returned, he told God, yes, it's bad on earth. 95% is bad and 5% is good. Well, God thought for a moment and said, maybe I better send a second angel to get a second point of view. So God called another angel, sent him to earth for a time too. When the angel returned, he said to God, and he told him, yes, the earth has declined. 95% was, was bad and 5% was good. And God said this was not good. So he decided to email the 5% who were good. And he wanted to encourage them to give them a little something to help them keep going. How many of you got the email? <laughs> uh, oh, well, okay. Uh, don't throw nothing at me. But the angels are listening. The Father's listening and he's seeing. He wants to do a deep, deep work in our lives. So we have to be careful. How many of you know Jesus was a carpenter? And I want all the carpenters to help me because we were watching a program and they, 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 they said, this is the carpenter's rule. How many knows the carpenter's rule? Measure twice, cut once. There's, you heard John, he's a carpenter. Measure what? Twice, cut once. When I heard that, I said, wait a minute. 
my Savior was a carpenter. And if I would want to have a carpenter's rule, Jesus would say, measure twice, pray, praise, and seek me. Measure twice, cut once. Don't be nailing in the wrong place. How many of you have ever nailed and you found the stud and you nailed the nail, but they went right through the sheetrock and you go, well, that's not it. And by the time you get through hanging a picture, there's 20 holes in the wall. And finally you find, have you ever been there? I've been there before. Just a few weeks ago, the, uh, we have, uh, the people who built our house put in about 12 smoke detectors that work on batteries, about 15 years old. And uh, I heard some go off, so I got the stool, climbed up there, changed the battery. And right when I closed the lid and stepped down from the, from the stool, eh, I heard the one down the hall going off. I changed the wrong one. How many of you know, every time we start stepping up into a place, many times we get into the wrong area, we're just wasting our time and we're just spinning our wheels and we're not advancing. Why? We keep changing the wrong thing that needs to be changed. We keep climbing and digging in the wrong place. And so the the, the rule of the carpenter is to measure twice and to cut once. Now I want to show you a video clip to explain to you what I'm saying. And I want this visual just to go down into your heart, the importance of digging in the right place. Come, come, look, look here, look, sit down, come, sit down. What is it? This is a warning not to disturb the Ark of the Covenant. What about the height of the staff? So did Bella get it off of here? Yes, it is here. This was the old way, this means six kadam high. About 72 inches. Wait! And take back one kadam to honor the Hebrew God whose ark this is. You said their headpiece only had markings on one side. Are you absolutely sure? Belloc's staff is too long. They're, They're digging, digging in, in the, the wrong, wrong place. place. Digging in the wrong that to stay with you today and for the rest of this year so close but yet still not hitting the mark secret treasures are spared and they're buried for those who mostly desire them I could have a ladder on this side changing that light but then when I get up there find out it's the light on this side that needs to be changing that ladder I'm climbing just gets me farther from where I need to be this year, the Holy Spirit, and I'm teaching on Sunday nights. I taught it last Sunday, uh, the last Sunday I was here, and I'm teaching again tonight, continuing about the need of being guided by the Holy Spirit and being precise, not the permissive will, but the perfect will of God for our lives. I want the track record of hearing from God and following God's voice. And sometimes, listen, if something is not working for your life, if it has not worked last year or the year before, maybe you've been digging in the wrong place. Maybe you haven't just been following the full instructions of the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe there's some confusion or some things that are not in place. And you can be so close but yet never find it. Some of you are so close. And this year I believe there's adjustment. And you're going to see. Turn it over. Turn the page. Turn to another scripture. Get into another devotion. Pray more fast. Seek God. But there's a changing that has to be taken to get you in the right place. The, they that know the Lord shall be strong and do exploits. There's a knowing God's will that will bring you to your best destination as the GPS says. I found somebody who wrote this down. Uh, a man wrote this. Ralph Keir. He wrote this down. This is his vision for the year. Succeed at home first. Seek the divine help of God. Never compromise honesty. Remember the people who's involved with my life. Hear both sides before judging. Obtain counsel from others. Defend those who are absent. Be sincere yet decisive. Plan tomorrow's work ahead. Maintain a positive attitude. Keep a sense of humor. Be orderly in person and in work. Do not fear mistakes. Fear only the absence of being creative, constructive, and correct responses to those mistakes. Listen twice as much as you speak. Concentrate all abilities and efforts at the task at hand. And don't be worrying about the next job or promotion. Wow. I want you to see this next scripture about Paul. And see, here's Paul speaking to the elders. Now I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that would happen to me there. Write this down. Number two, what is your drive and, what is your drive and passion? What is your de determining factor? They were saying, look, something's getting ready to happen to you. You're going to die. He says, those things don't move me. I'm not going to listen to the desire of man. I'm going to listen to the desire of God. He says, he controls me. What is deep in my heart? What helps me make decisions? What compels me? What am I doing with my life? What does my children think of me? I have some letters from Cody right here from boot camp. I don't have time to read them to you. But he was saying, Dad, Mom and Dad, you're some of the wisest people. People don't know the wisdom that you have. And he was saying, Dad, you're just the best preacher. Keep preaching. And the things he was saying, a lot of people can criticize, but there's something about those who are closest to you. What they tell you is what gives you strength to keep on going. Well, when you get close to God, that voice of the Holy Spirit will be stronger than any voice who's telling you how low and how bad you are compared to the voice telling you how high I'm bringing you. Do you hear me today, church? What is compelling you? I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but all I know now what is compelling me. He, he, Jeremiah spoke about it in 23, 9. My heart within me is broken because of the prophets, what all they're saying. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man who wine, whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. The word of God has taken hold of me, and I am drunken in his presence, and I'm going forward no matter what happens. I'm going forward to what God wants me to do. I've got to know this. And then I want, I want to go over to this next scripture here uh, by Paul in Acts uh, 20, verse 23. Except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. I don't know what the plan of God is. Listen to this, church. I don't know what the plan of God is, but I do one other thing. I'm sold. God, no matter what it cost me, count me in. How many Christians can say that? How many of us can actually say with all of our heart, I don't know what awaits me, but count me in. I don't know what sacrifice of a relationship, a job, an addiction. I don't know what it's going to cost me, but Lord, count me in. No matter what it costs me, I'm going to do. I am sold out to God's plan. Why? Listen, Paul was focused on eternity. He was focused on the crown. I'm going to stand before God and all the secrets are going to come out of the closet. So whatever God's plan, whatever it costs me, I'm sold out to it and I'm not letting go. I'm keeping a hold of God's heart. And he goes on to say, look at this, and finding disciples, we stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. He says, listen, God's yes is my yes. I'm driven by God. And then he goes on talking about, and we stayed many days and a certain prophet came down from Judah. And in these days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. They keep trying to tell him, don't go. But he goes on to say here, we preach Christ warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound com common sense so that you can bring each person to maturity. Say that with me, maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. When I run out of energy to do God's will, God will give me the energy to continue going. And then it goes on to say here, look what he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Get a hold of this church.
so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This year, I don't count my will as the will of God. I want God's will. This year is important to know it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. A life worth living is not my life. His life counts. Young people in the trials and the temptations and the things that are going on and the peer pressures, don't give in to those things because at the end when you stand before the Lord, what's going to count is when he calls you up and, you, and he recognizes you as an overcomer and not a hypocrite. Read the New Testament. Jesus never had problems speaking the truth. A hypocrite was a hypocrite. A snake was a snake. And in that day, a goat will be a goat and a sheep will be a sheep. Jesus never softened the truth. A lot of times in our lives, if we want to go into maturity, Jesus is not going to soften the truth. He's not going to delicate it and give it to you in a cake and say, the, the chain, the, uh, the saws in the cake, get yourself out of jail. He's going to say, no, you need to stay here because there's something you need to learn to protect your life from what could be ahead. Listen to what the Holy Spirit, this season, this new year, saints, I know there may be a lot of different prophetic words going forth. There could be a lot of rhymes and a lot of things going on, but the word that the Lord gave me that I needed to share the importance of being in tune with the Holy Spirit and totally into his voice. It's a fire and a burn that I believe that will save us. His voice will save us from disaster. His voice will save us from destruction. His voice will save us from untimely death. His voice will save us from divorce. His voice will save us from bankruptcy. His voice will save us from an accident. His voice will save us in making a mistake. His voice will save us from jumping too soon, digging in the wrong place and getting the wrong results. He desires for us to have the good and abundant life, but it doesn't come by me having my own life. It comes by getting his life. Paul says, none of these things move me. I'm not moved by what others say. I'm not moved by even my own opinion. I'm moved by what the Holy Spirit is telling me, and he is telling me to go, not knowing what I'm going to be facing. You may be facing one of your biggest challenges right now. You might have moved from one type of church or one type of denomination into a non-denomination. You're wondering, what am I doing here? All this stuff is confusing, the music and everything else. I don't understand what's going on. Change is good. Follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, even though you don't feel it here or here. Follow it down in your spirit. It's so important to get in tuned. Take it easy. On some of the music you listen to and make sure you get music that brings you to the presence of God because that's where you'll get ears to hear. Save yourself. I, we tell our children, I hear God telling us, save yourself the pain. Save yourself the hurt. Save yourself the penalties. Save yourself from extending something that will bring you no hope or help. Get a hold of God. Get a hold of God's way. God's way, and that's the only way. Deny yourself and count your life as nothing, and then you'll live a life that is worth, worth everything, focused on him. I'll finish with this. I appreciate our soldiers, and you know my heart there. I appreciate our soldiers so much. And the thing you see about soldiers, even for Veterans Day, I have soldiers here that will not even stand up and receive the, the gifts we want to give them for Veterans Day. They said, I don't feel like I should. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I've got some buddies I lost in Iraq that are Afghanistan that they should be here. And I'm here and they're not. They're gone. I lost some buddies in the war. And so many times you hear soldiers on TV, they're being awarded an awesome award. And they go, I don't deserve this. I don't. Listen to this now, church, and I'll leave you with this. They say, I don't fight or serve my country seeking medals or even seeking promotion. I serve my country for a love of country. They're not suffering in Afghanistan because they want a medal. They're suffering over there because they want to protect our nation. Well, how about us, church? Am I in church because I want the easy going life and to be part of what makes everybody feel good? Or do I want to sacrifice and live totally and completely for Jesus this year? Do I want to always have the buzz and the feeling or do I want to be dedicated in my heart no matter how I feel? I'm not moved by what I see. I walk by faith and not by sight. One thing Paul, Job could say, 
He was suffering, he was scratching, he was bleeding, and he was dying. But he said, one thing I know, my Redeemer lives. I'm not going by what I feel, no what I see. All seven of my children are dead. I could blame God. All, everything I had has been lost. I'm here and my wife's telling me to blaspheme God so that he would strike me dead because I want to die too. But one thing I do know, my Redeemer lives. And then all of a sudden the word of God says, when the stump is cut down, but it still can smell the smell of water, it gets its roots down and it starts to grow again. I'm telling you, for 2011, some of you have given up on life. You're starting to smell the water of the revelation of the spirit of the river of God. And there's a spirit of the river of God that's getting ready to bubble up on the inside of you. And there's a smell of victory and there's a smell of passion and there's a new revelation of Jesus that's getting to become real to you there's a, there's a deepening down of the roots down farther than you've ever gone before 2010 was just a year for your roots to go down deeper instead of spread outwardly it's spreading down deeper so that you will be that tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season there's a death there's a death there's a death not a religious cliche but there's a death coming into your life and into your heart there's a deepening and there's an attachment to a wellspring of living water that's going to able and capable you and, and enable you to better rise above what you have not been able to rise above before. There is a tapping in to the river of living water. There's a tapping in to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a tapping in to the hearing of the voice of the creator who has the power to heal and to deliver. There's a tapping in into the word that sets you free. There's a tapping in to the spirit of prayer, supplication, fasting and anointing. There's a tapping in to the wellspring of living water that heals the broken heart. It causes grief and pain to be healed. There's a tapping into the spirit of the, 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 the Jehovah Shalom that taps into that peace to bring you peace. There's a tapping into the God who heals the sickness and diseases of your body. There's a tapping in that brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a tapping in that causes you to be unwaverable when the waves of the sea are tossed to and fro and the waves are coming up. The rivers are beating on your house. The wind is blowing. People are falling down but in the midst of things crumbling and falling, you are standing up with your hands to God. You've tapped into that source that is unmovable by any circumstance or situation and you're shouting out in the midst of turmoil when others are quitting and saying, where is my God? You're saying, I know my God and I know that my God is alive and he cannot fail that he's the strongest, mightiest warrior. He's the one who stands beside me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that all these things come and go, but I know it's the truth that will prevail beyond all times. I don't trust my feelings. Don't ask me how I feel. Ask me who I know. Don't ask me how I feel about this year. Ask me about who I know. I know. I know Jesus. I know the Lord. I know the healer and I know the restorer. Amen, Baron, if you'd come and play. If you bow your heads as we come into this place for this new year. And we're not going to settle for less. Invest your time wisely in the word inspired by the Holy Spirit and breathe by God himself. Spend time. Spend time. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek his will. Lose yourself in him. In this new year, let's concentrate. Digging deeper. So many people ask, how can you know you're right on? Because you're so hungry and thirsty to to have a change in your life that you don't want a second guess you want the Holy Spirit to be right on and my brother and my sister the Holy Spirit is right on he always is right on he speaks the truth he cares and he's concerned about you in every area of your life you may not know as Paul said what the future holds but I'm excited about what God has told me to do no matter what Lord, give us that heart today as we graduate out of 2011. Give us this heart beat that as we continue to walk in this year of 2011, give us this heart as Paul. I don't know what lies ahead, but I know where it ever lies, you're there. 
I know your truth is there. You're always beside us. Lead us to the path, the path of everlasting life. If you're here today, as we start this new year off, he won't consult your past. We're not consulting your past about if you can be saved or not. It's true, totally by declaring Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and accepting his sacrifice for your life and inviting Jesus into your heart. If you're here today and you say, I need to start this year off giving my heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've known him in the past, but you're not serving him now. You have not served him faithfully. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I need to be saved. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you raise your hand right there where you are? Just raise your hand right there where you are. I need him to right now cleanse me of the secrets of the closet of my heart. If you're here today and you say, I need to rededicate my life. I need to rededicate my thought life. I need to rededicate the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. If that's you, raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I need to rededicate my life. I need to rededicate my heart. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm speaking to Christians right now. I need, I, God bless you. I need, I need, God bless you, sir. I need to rededicate my life. I need to rededicate my heart. I need to rededicate my lips. I need to rededicate my tongue. I need to rededicate my direction, my passion. My commitment. Yes, yes, I see the hands. Jesus. J- Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. You're coming to rededicate it all today. We're going to start this year off right. Holy Spirit, I yield. I surrender. I sacrifice myself to gain you. Anyone else here today? That's you. Raise your hand. God bless you. Let's stand and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, you saw the hands of your children that raised them in a heart and atmosphere of saying, Lord, I must decrease in 2011 that you increase. To live under an open heaven, I must willing to be submerged into your will, into your word. To live in under an open heaven, I must surrender to your way, not mine. I must uproot and dig and search in the right places to find that which will truly satisfy and bring me to the place I need to be. Lord, we do rededicate our hearts and our minds, our meditations of our heart, our lips, our tongues, our ears, our heart. We come before you on this first day of the year, having taken communion. Holy Spirit, examine me and know me. If there be any wicked way within me, cleanse me and lead us into the way everlasting. We surrender today to do your will, Father. Lord, we don't want to just be a church that's a gathering. We want to be a church by heart and in action and deed to where we can truly say, you are the head of this body. You are King and you are Lord. Lord, we just don't want to be, Lord, converted. We want to be the transformed. It's not just about being saved. It's about being changed into your likeness. We desire to behold your glory, to be transformed day by day. This year, 2011, Lord, we desire to see your face, be transformed and be like you. I pray that you strengthen and guide each and every one. And may we surrender to seek you and put you first in all that we do. Lord, give them the divine energy that Paul talked about. To be faithful to church. Faithful to you. Faithful to your word. Faithful to one another. Give us that supernatural energy to energize us to run this race. Run it to win. And we will give you all the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to win. This year, I will find more revelation than I've ever gained 
through all the years of my life. This year will be an open heaven. This year will be that well that I will tap into and be satisfied. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We pray the God of peace be upon you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Brother Jake, would you dismiss us? Father, we thank you so much for this word, God, that, Lord, that this year, 2011, Lord, will be a year that we live our lives with meaning, with a purpose, with a drive, with a passion, God, to carry out, Lord God, the, 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 the will that you have for our life, Lord God, the tasks that are at hand, Lord. I just pray, Father, right now that you would give us the strength, Lord God, to do what you've called us to do and to be what you want us to be. And, God, that we would be bold about it, Lord, and we would, be, we would stand firm, Lord God, in our walk with you and our belief in you, Lord God. Let our faith be stronger than ever before, Lord, in 2011, Lord, and we will not back down and we will not give up and we will not lose hope and we will not doubt. But, Lord, we believe that you will come through for us. In your holy name we pray. And everyone said real loud, amen.